Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rambles podcast, starting with the topic, Are video games normalizing gambling? Australia proposes new rating system to protect children. So sometimes I feel like loot boxes in games are kind of old news. They've just become expected, especially like in mobile games and stuff. But in my country, video games with simulated gambling are to be given R18 plus rating under new proposal to protect children and problem gamblers. Some politicians in my country are like, hey, look, I, I don't think it makes sense for kids to be inundated with all this simulated gambling, turning them into problem gamblers for the future. And it's hard to disagree with that assessment. It's hard to even agree that this stuff is good for adults. But obviously your likelihood of getting uh, hooked on this stuff is probably higher if you're introduced to it at an earlier age. I'm not sure how this would be enforced or, or, or what have you. Steam already does not like Australia and the regulations we have down here. Yeah, gambling laws in Australia are kind of weird because in our country, the amount of money that we spend per person on gambling is some of the highest in the world. Sometimes the highest, depending upon how it's calculated. And we have poker machines absolutely everywhere. Ridiculous amounts of money will be funneled into politicians and there'll be investigations showing that like organized crime uses poker machines to launder their money to make it clean and, and nothing will happen related to that. Or like progress on combating that will be extraordinarily slow. So maybe this is legitimately just a caring politicians trying to stop something they consider to be bad. Because obviously the government isn't a monolith. There are people who are trying to combat gambling and people who are exist as mouthpieces for the gambling lobbies. Yeah, so from what I've heard about this legislation, uh, I agree with it. There's a reason prohibition failed in the US. Take something like drinking away and people will only want to do it more. So this is a common misconception. The idea that prohibition doesn't work. It clearly does. Examples of individual instances where it doesn't work is not an argument against all forms, forms of prohibition. Barriers to entry do work. The more difficult you make something, the less likely people are gonna do it. Generally, the problem is more about enforcement than the idea that barriers to entry simply do not work. There is some evidence that even the idea of there being a barrier is enough to stop at least some people from doing something. If something is labeled as illegal, there will be a certain portion of people who do not do it as principle. But just because there's a path to achieving something doesn't mean everyone is going to want to walk that path, given that it is now more difficult than it was previously. Like, obviously, if they made it so games are with gambling or loot boxes in them are now 18 plus and thus people who are under the age of 18 can't just go into a store and buy them or potentially buy them online, that will be a barrier that will prevent some people from playing those games. Doesn't mean it will prevent everyone, but it will prevent some people. Like, obviously, if people under the age of 18 could buy alcohol in my country, more people under the age of 18 would buy alcohol. That doesn't mean because this barrier to entry that you need like an ID saying you're above 18 is sufficient to prevent all people underage from drinking alcohol. That's, that does, isn't what happens, but it does reduce it. In my experience, people do what they want to do. Barriers just make it that much harder. And as you might have noticed from experience with people, the more difficult something is to do, the less people do it. It's like if you want to go to the movies, but you go to the website and it says, look, you got to fill out this survey. You got to fill out this form. You got to wait uh, three to five days before your money clears to buy the ticket. You got to book the ticket uh, two weeks in advance. Like you may want to go to the movies, but you look at all that and go, fuck it, this ain't worth it. And you can guarantee if such a thing happened to go into the movies, then people would set up like black market sort of deals where they already have the tickets accessible and you just go through a third party to buy them. But then you have to 
be willing to circumvent the law, which everyone is not. You li likely have to pay more fees to have those systems work to, to begin with. So you have to be willing to pay more money. You'd have to know about them in the first place. So that, that angle will be there, but still there'll be a reduction in people compared to a situation where people could just go on the website and click two buttons and get a ticket immediately. In the same way that people tend to take the path with the least resistance, the path with the least resistance is often not doing the thing. All laws have side effects, uh, positive and negative. It's just a question of whether you, uh, whether you believe the positives outweigh the negatives. New Dr. Freelander's exploit allows you to speed run faster. So it's interesting to me how people can submit things for facts and glitches and I can recognize that they can have some utility in the speedrun. And so I'll tell people in the speedrunning discord like, hey, this is something that's been brought to my attention. And the end result of that will be something I don't predict. Random events in GTA 5 have a cooldown of 2 minutes and 30 seconds, which is hugely annoying. When you're doing 100%, you can't just do random event after random event after random event. You have to like put stuff in between them so you can guarantee that they spawn. Recently, it was brought to my attention that you can call Dr. Freelander to remove your wanted level. And so I told people in the Discord about that. And so Twisted Tamer did some experimentation with it. And while the wanted level removal was not particularly interesting, because you can only do that outside of missions, and generally you just go into a mission to lose a wanted level. What he found was you can call Dr. Freelander to reduce the wait for a random event to 30 seconds. So this is a random event that he's just uh, ended here. And so he calls and hangs up. Doesn't even continue the conversation. Keep in mind that Dr. Friedlander can only be called for a consultation with Michael at particular points in the game. Like after Plato score, for example. Taxi! Here! And so he just waits 30 seconds. And then taxis. Zankudo. All right, brother, here we are. Where can I take you? you and you can see a random event here. So, so normally that would require two minutes and 30 seconds. I thought that was pretty cool. Only has use obviously in 100% and who knows where this will be used, but like, it's just interesting how things in facts and glitches can have unforeseen benefits that I wouldn't realize. I appreciate Twister's willingness to uh, do all the legwork. Grief for Jesus is wreaking havoc in GTA Online. So one of my Twitch mods was playing GT Online. He had an experience, a run-in with Grief of Jesus. This is Jepla with his Hawaiian shirt and mask for some reason. And there's just a lot of Grief of Jesus all shooting each other. And then he gets like a heap spawned on him specifically. Like Grief of Jesus isn't just related to me, remember? Like people from Call Me Kevin's channel they know about Grief of Jesus. Anyone who plays Chaos knows about Grief of Jesus. With that being said, in this particular instance, apparently this Ariuso person says they know who Jeplar is, as they know them as one of my mods. So this may have been related to Jeplar being in the lobby. It would be interesting to know how often there are gang attacks of Grief of Jesus I because of my content. If that happens to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, pretty funny. Not that I really like to glorify or give attention to modders, because obviously I think they do generally ruin GT Online. But with that being said, I'll make an exception for this particular case. You watch, like, people are going to be spawning cougars on my mods and stuff to try to get in rambles. <laughs> I thought I knew everything about GTA 5 until I watched this video. So this video, if you haven't seen it, you probably will get it recommended to you soon, because it is blowing up right now. This person just 
Gesha made a video titled A Look Behind GTA 5's Weird Gameplay Design. I said down here, great video, man, especially the editing, learned a lot of interesting stuff, and I answered a question he had in the video. The thing about facts and glitches, the series I do, is that I know nothing about coding. I can't go into the deep underbelly of GT5 or GT Online and look at how things are actually working. I can only look at things on the surface. This dude in his video has looked at the code and said, this is a weird line of code. Look what it does. Or this is what something else should have done. There's stuff that you guys may know about that I didn't know about. So I'll use one example from the video. When first person mode first got introduced on then next gen platforms, vehicle rooftop deformation was disabled most likely to avoid situations like this one. So yes, while it is technically a downgrade, when I say that it was simply disabled, I really mean it. Using ENB, you can reactivate rooftop deformation on the go. So like, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that as well as other things in this video. So if you are interested in GT5 facts and glitches or just the underbelly of the code, highly recommend this video. For a person who has 10,000 hours in the game, who has consumed a, an insane amount of GT5 content, didn't know a lot of stuff in this video. And it is edited really well. It is better than any of my Facts and Glitches series has ever been. So yeah, a look behind GT5's weird gameplay design by Just Gesha. Twitch introduces new sponsorships in an attempt to achieve profitability. So Twitch, in its ever-continuing desire to actually be profitable, Although we don't know for certain if Twitch is or is not profitable, but like some back of the envelope calculations suggest that it's either losing money or like breaking even, or at the very least not particularly profitable. So of course, Twitch wants to bring in more money, right? So Twitch is launching several sponsorship-based experiments, channel skins, streamer red ads, sponsored gift subs, sub codes, brands can prepay for subs and distribute codes off Twitch, sub discounts, subsidized by brands. It's just, People sitting around in a boardroom being like, what is some other way we can monetize this platform or make it easier to monetize the platform? And this is what they've gone with. Channel skins is interesting to me. Imagine clicking on someone's channel and like, it's just G Fuel in its entire theme. Like a new game's coming out and just like on the sides, there'll be two banners being like, hey, check out this game. That wouldn't be particularly intrusive to the content, right? Like you'd ra probably rather have that, especially because you could like full screen if you really didn't want it there. You'd probably rather have that than like an ad removing the content so you can't watch it, right? Sponsored gift subs have been a thing for a while. Like, was it like Cash App would come in and like on some streams and like just gift 500 subs or something? Sub discounts would be interesting. Like every time you go to buy a sub, it's like, hey, you get 20% off because of X brand. I don't know how much that brands will be interested in these kind of sponsorships, but I don't see this as a bad thing. Certainly it does seem kind of a downer sometimes, like how much everything is monetized, like every single aspect, every single tiny fleck of existence must be milked for every possible coin that can be brought forth. But obviously Twitch is not particularly profitable and we want Twitch to stick around because people make a living off Twitch. As much as I don't like what a lot of people do on Twitch, it's still better that Twitch sticks around, right? So this is probably a good thing. Whether or not it'll be accessible to me is a separate question because a lot of the in-house brand deals that happen on Twitch, like the bouncy board, it's not accessible to people in Australia. It's mainly accessible to people like in America and stuff. So this stuff may never even come to me. But for the platform as a whole, it's probably a good thing. I remember years ago, Twitch being like, oh, just any day now, Maddie boy, any day, we're gonna give you the sponsored in-house brand deals. I'll be bringing that shit to Australia. Never happened. Thanks, Twitch. The Twitter algorithm was revealed to the world. 
Twitter revealed its algorithm to the world, but what does it mean for you? I spend the evening analyzing it. Here's what you need to know. Likes and retweets and replies. Here's the ranking parameters. Each like gets a 30 times boost, each retweet a 20 times boost, each reply only one times. So likes and retweets are good apparently. Images and videos help. Both images and videos lead to a two times boost. Links hurt unless you have enough engagement. Yeah, that, that one I've said before myself. Mutes and unfollows hurt. All of the following hurt your engagement. Mutes, blocks, unfollows, spam reports, abuse reports. Saying this, you don't want that information out there because people are just going to spam abuse and spam reports now to, to silence people. Blue extends reach. Paying the monthly fee gets you a healthy boost. Of course. Misinformation is highly downranked. Anything that is characterized as misinformation gets the rug pulled out from under it. Surprisingly so a post about Ukraine. You are clustered into a group. The algorithm puts you into a grouping of similar profiles. It uses that to extend tweet reach beyond your followers to similar people. Also like most algorithms, okay. Posts outside your cluster hurts. If you do outside of network content, it's not gonna do as well. That's why hammering home points about your niche works. My niche being just random bullshit I can think of. Probably does not do well. Making up words or misspelling hurts. Words that identified as unknown language are given 0.01, which is a huge penalty. Anything under one is bad. This is really bad. What if I just can't identify like a word from a game or something? It's good information to have, I suppose, but generally what happens when an algorithm leaks is that people find ways to game the system and get stuff higher up or push lower that shouldn't be in either place. And you can definitely see some things that you can exploit. Why was this algorithm revealed exactly? Who, who can understand the mind of Elon Musk? Hassan wins the Just Chatting Award for reacting to others' hard work. So I was on Twitter, which I don't normally go on, and I was at it in this uh, tweet here. Hassan just won the Best Just Chatting Award at the Streamer Awards. Now obviously, the Streamer Awards is a bit of a joke. It is entirely a popularity contest, so the people who have the most viewers are those who win the awards, right? And that's obviously by design, because you want the awards to be successful, you want to be able to get advertisers, you want to be profitable and what have you, you want to grow in terms of its audience, and the best way to do that is to have all the already rich, successful streamers involved to some capacity, right? So it just ends up being the elite club of friends all patting each other on the back as to how good they are. It's obviously a similar thing that happens in Hollywood, happens in every industry, right? And I'm sure it's fun for them like it's uh it's not just about the money of course or, or whatever it's it's about fun it's like if you held your own little awards ceremony for like everyone you know or something or like you in school or something like that can be a, a fun experience but it's not a real legitimate award right it's not as though there's some algorithm calculating who is the best in a particular category who is punching above their weight or something that's not the point of the awards it's more just I guess a bit of light-hearted fun for those involved. But it's obviously quite absurd for a person like Hassan to win the Just Chatting Award, uh, considering how much talent exists in that category. People actually go outside and do stuff or have particular talents, they build things and whatnot. A person sitting at home, as I say here, it, it's, it's kind of a mockery of uh, the talent on display in that category. And so Hassan was roasted by like everyone in the comment section. Proud of the comments under this post gives some hope when people recognize that a guy sitting in a mansion hosting watch parties of other people's hard work shouldn't bring forth awards. 99% of the work done by others, 100% of the money into Hassan's bank account. Socialist, by the way. Obviously, it's not an argument. It's just shit talking because it's a tweet. Well, it got a lot of uh, likes. It's like, who cares, right? It's just talking for the sake of having something to say because I need to stay awake. But the problem is, whenever you tweet like this, you find people who don't know anything but it's still very confident despite their lack of knowledge. And it's hard to not engage with these people. 
because it's annoying. But you recognize that convincing people one after the other, spending potentially an hour in a conversation that you're pretty confident is going to lead to them realizing they don't know shit. It's com a complete waste of time. Imagine if you spent, if you tried to change the world one person at a time, spending an hour on each person, <laughs> you you'd achieve nothing by the end of your life. It's just pointless. Eventually though, I got so bored like 18 hours in to trying to stay awake that I had conversations with these people. And it is just the dumbest shit as you can imagine. I had one person delete their entire account rather than admit that they were wrong. It is such a frustrating experience just trying to get people to like read the thing that demonstrates that they're wrong. They would go to insane lengths, bring every justification out of their ass to just avoid watching a thing for five minutes or reading a thing. And you're like, do they know that they're wrong and don't want to face that? Or are they just more deluded than I expect? I don't know. But it's just a complete waste of time. All of it. This new GT5 video is a complete mindfuck. So speaking of someone who makes really good content that doesn't always get enough views, or it takes a criminally long amount of time for them to get enough views. Silver Finish, the person who's helped me make various mods and machinima for my videos, he released this video, Lamar regrets roasting Franklin. And based off this image of Lamar being bald and Trump sticking out of Franklin's ass with a call from Tanisha, I can assure you that this 50 second clip is a complete mindfuck and I highly recommend watching it. I know the meme of Lamar roasting Franklin is like massively played out. Like there's so many videos that have been made about it. The meme has been done so many times, but this is like a very interesting new take on the meme, a very literal take. In general, I, I highly recommend just anything that Silver Finish has made. And so yeah, go check this out. My quest to find the perfect feline companion. So I'm on this wait list to get a Siberian cat. These cats are somewhat rare, but the main reason why some people want them and, and prize them is because they're hypoallergenic. Because I'm slightly allergic to cats, like slightly. As in, when I used to go to my friend Patrick's house back in the day, if I hung around his cat for a prolonged period of time, my eyes would get itchy. I remember being drunk over there and being so confused, like, why does my face hurt? And the nanosecond I walked outside, I was fine. So I need a cat where that's less likely going to be a concern. In the case where even with this cat, it's truly overwhelming and I can't deal with it. Either I'll take a pill or something or I'll get, have to end up getting the cat to my sister. But we'll see what happens. These cats are meant to be less likely to bring forth those kind of reactions. Or at the very least, if they bring forth those reactions, it's even less than normal. But this was the cat that I was trying to get. Little cute, little white f fluff ball with blue eyes. Looks kind of like me. Because it's got, it's got like, so it's got like brown hair. It's white and has blue eyes. That's, it looks like me. I was like, oh, that's so cute. He's like, oh. Unfortunately, didn't get this cat. When I didn't get a response, I was like, oh man, have I done something wrong? Am I not on the list anymore? Do they not like me? Da da da. But they sent me a nice email and they said, hey, you're, you're totally on the list. It's just there's a huge demand for these cats. And we've made it so that every time that a person reaches out to try to get one and they don't get one, they move up in the list. And uh, you've been on the list for a while, so we'll do our best to get get you one as, uh, as soon as possible. While I didn't get this cat, I will be getting one in the future. Pretty much guaranteed now. And I'm nervous about it. Because I don't really have a consistent schedule in which I live my life and, and animals kind of like consistent schedules. Obviously, I've got enough money to buy it. Anything it could possibly need. I might may end up getting a second cat so it has someone to play with. But obviously, I will play with it. I've looked into a lot of information about them. And I know a lot about this cat type of cat now. What am I going to name it? I either want to call it Kato or Little One or Cougar. And it's probably going to end up being Cougar. Because it would just be funny. Anytime it is someplace that's not meant to be, I'll be like, what are you? There's not meant to be cougars in the kitchen. And I will laugh. It'll be funny. <laughs> I'm becoming a celebrity. 
We're in that period of uh, my terrible sleeping pattern where I'm going to McDonald's during more normal hours. And so I've been recognized more frequently than normal. I think over the last week, probably had like five people come up to me or something. With the last guy who came up to me, he's quite nervous seemingly. At, at first he's like, oh, I used to watch your stuff all the time. I often forget that people who can might recognize me are not simply people who actively watch my stuff, but people who've watched my stuff over the course of my entire career. So I've got like 628 million views. But with the Clips channel, I'm certainly over a billion, right? In the same way that like, I've maybe seen like one Markiplier video over the course of Markiplier's career. But if I saw Markiplier in the wild, I'd be like, hey, it's Markiplier. Hey, Markiplier. <laughs> Look, so I think that's what causes me to be recognized more than me necessarily like seeing a lot of fans in the wild. More people who've like stopped in, seen some of my content at some point in time in my career and then, then dipped out. If you reach enough people, it's gonna happen. So we ended here. Thank you for watching and joining me on my new channel. I wish you all the best.